0: Hello and welcome to
1: Let's Talk Autism with Shannon and Nancy. I'm Nancy allspot Jackson,
0: and I'm Shannon Penrod, and thrilled to be here with all of you this morning with my good friend Nancy. And we've got a wonderful guest that's going to be joining us in just a little while. We've already I, we've overcome huge technical issues to be with you, you here today. <laughs> so that's right. I feel like we should take a victory lap. Uh, hopefully, everything is going to work out. Uh, although one never knows, does one? Uh, but we just overcame huge technical issues. So, uh, but we're excited to be here too. And we're excited to be talking about the topic that we're going to be talking about with our guests tonight, uh, today, which is about transition time. What, you know, and both of us, Nancy, I was thinking about this this morning. And when you and I first started doing this show, we used to talk about, oh, someday our kids are going to be teenagers, and we can't even imagine that. Right. Do you remember that? And now both of our children are adults. That's right. Uh, and and so I, it's it's very interesting to me because I, I I remember having guests on the show, and when they would have teenagers, I would be like, "What's it like?" And I don't know if I'm ready, and I don't know if I can do this. And now we're just, well, I mean, you're done with the teen years and I'm about I'm to be done. Yeah, that's, that's right. crazy. What, Wyatt is now 20 and he's in vocational school. It's just crazy. And and Jem will be 19 this summer. So I still get about a year and a half left of the, the teens, but I'm in the end where it's not so much the teens. Um, so, and look at us, we survived. <laughs> And and our kids have survived, but I think there's always more to know, right? And our guest today is going to fill us in on a lot of things that I'm terribly interested to hear um, about this all-important transition time. So uh, Ashley Lehman is going to be joining us from CIP Worldwide, and we're going to talk with her, and she's going to have a bunch of answers, I think, for us about what they do and why. That's so important. But before that, Nancy, let's make sure that we say hello to everybody and welcome you um, to the show. And we do want to be transparent that this is a pre recorded show. We now pre record Let's Talk Autism on Wednesday afternoons, but people can still be chatting. I usually join the live show on Thursday mornings when it airs and look forward to people's comments and questions. And you can always be sending us in questions before the fact, before we film on Wednesday, either through the live show on Wednesday or you can email me directly at Shannon at autism hyphen And then I can go over your questions with Nancy. But we always want to continue your participation both live and when you guys watch this recorded. Um, and. You know we're live on a bunch of platforms but we also podcast to even more platforms and um this just makes it a little bit easier for certain guests to be on and join us rather than being in the live show and since we love our live audience nancy i mean we totally love them but um the truth of the matter is, is that more of you watch us in podcast than watch us live so we're still doing three live shows a week and then pre-recording some things because it gives us the option to do more things moving forward and we're really excited about that did i leave anything out of that nancy anything you I want to add in there i don't
1: think so i think you care covered it all and if you hear a dog barking in a minute and noise it's because my son's coming in from school so all right well maybe wyatt will
0: drop in and say hi to us we haven't we had could do that in a long time it would be fun. I haven't seen Wyatt in almost two years. I know. It's been I, can't, a long time. I haven't seen Jim in almost two years. I can't even believe that. To say know, that sounds been, crazy. With this pandemic, me. it's been crazy, hasn't it? It? Is, it has been totally crazy. And I, in particular, have been somebody who who very much isolates, but that's just horrible that we haven't seen you guys. Um, but uh, so if he comes in, have him come in and say hi. I'd love okay, to I will. And uh, and if and if a jog barks, I have two on my end that will bark over nothing. But uh, we like to start off our Let's Talk Autism with some of the news in the news, and uh, we've got some pretty interesting things going on this week. There's a there's been a lot that's been happening uh, with actors um, on the spectrum playing roles in film and television in the last couple of weeks, and um, and even more with characters that are on the spectrum. I think it's pretty widely known that the, the, the preference of the au- autism community is that if you're gonna do representation, why not do it authentically? Why not hire an actor who ha- is on the spectrum to play actors oh, yeah. on the spectrum? Um, and we're seeing a lot more of that. And there's a new show that's gonna be debuting later on this week that we've all been waiting for for a long time. Um, Have you heard the buzz on this as we see it? I haven't heard much about the actual show
1: itself. I've just heard the buzz that it's coming out. And Wyatt was actually invited. He can't go today, but he was invited to a um, panel with the three actors on it from the Miracle Project. Apparently, Coach Elaine Hall has been a consultant on the show, on the set, and with the actors, as she often does. And as you said, Shannon, the show, as we see it is, has a lot of buzz behind it because it comes from Jason Kadams, who, of course, was the creator of Parenthood and has a son on the spectrum and comes from a very deeply personal place.
0: Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think both of us were huge fans of Parenthood. And when that came out, man, I thought it was, I thought that it was life changing especially because my friends who were trying to understand what I was going through, and you guys know, you could try to explain it until the cows come home and people who don't know, it's so hard to explain. And, and I had one friend, one of my best friends from college called me after an episode of Parenthood and she watched the parents and what they were going through. And she was like, honey, are you going through that? And I said, oh my gosh, yes. And she said, how do I have no idea about this? And it really opened up a big conversation amongst my friends, and they were more supportive, I have to be honest. And I, I you know, I had the opportunity to meet um, Jason Kadams at one of your wonderful events, Nancy, when you did Denim and Diamonds. Yes. And I, had the oppor- I had the opportunity to say that to him in his face, and I said, look, look I don't know, you know, <laughs> what, what you want to hear, what you don't want to hear, but I just want to say thank you for being a, a very mainstream place where you could open a conversation with friends who I don't think would have gotten it otherwise. And he right. was like, oh, that's so lovely to hear. Right. So I'm excited, you know, I mean, Jason Kadams has done a lot of things in television that had nothing to do with autism. The man right. is as a television genius, um, but it's really exciting to see this next, uh, you know, project from him. We do want to say that it is based on a series that was first done in Israel and um, and it's been, you know, with COVID and everything, we certainly had, had been hearing about this for a long time but, and and we heard about their desire to make sure that it was cast authentically. But, you know, I love that Kadems has gone even further and has made sure that there are neurodiverse individuals in the writing room, that there are neurodiverse individuals on the crew, um, I think he's gone really the extra mile. This is going to be available on Amazon on, on Prime Video. Um, and I believe it's Friday, isn't it, that it's coming out? I think that that's the case.
1: Yes, I think it's on. Uh, I'm looking for the date here. Um, I think it's when I don't see it, uh, but tomorrow. I think it's tomorrow. Yeah, I think it's Friday.
0: Yep. Um, so um, I'm yeah, excited to um, see it. I'm very excited to see it, and uh, we'll we will absolutely be talking about it more.
1: Yeah, we'll have to get we'll have to get the actors on.
0: That would be great yeah. to talk to them. Yes, absolutely. It, it definitely so, premieres Friday on Prime Video. There we go. Uh, so you guys can check it out. I did not know until somebody, one of you, told me last Friday. About the lifetime movie that played on was it Saturday night, I think it played on Saturday night, I thought I had it set to tape. I did not technological genius here um and uh so now I have the lifetime app. I just haven't had a second to watch it it was a it's a program a movie called Safe House, and it also featured a character that was on the spectrum, played by the same young actor who played the actor who played the character on the spectrum in the Holly Robinson Pete hallmark christmas movie that came out and apparently after it aired lifetime did an entire little program about autism so i for sure missed that um and i didn't tell you guys about it because i didn't know about it you guys told me about it so we're we're glad to at least know about this one and give you a heads up that it's going to be available starting on friday so moving right along because we don't want to make our guest wait too much longer um our next story comes to us from Spectrum. You know, we love this as a news source, spectrumnews.org. Great place to get all autism news. Uh, the FDA cites hair-based autism diagnostic diagnostic aid as a breakthrough. So, uh, you know, th- we've, we've been covering a lot of different things on the show about ways that people can diagnose without having to have someone meet with your child for two hours and grade their behavior, right? Because that has been the way that autism has been diagnosed for you know the last 50 years. Uh, but there have been some new things that they've been having be something to corroborate that as they start to make more breakthroughs about what is the difference between someone on the spectrum and someone not on the spectrum biologically. But I think this is the first time, Nancy, that I heard that we were this close to one through looking at hair strands. Was this on your radar? No, I've never heard about this before.
1: It's called Strand DX, and it analyzes the levels of chemicals in a strand of a child's hair to capture a snapshot of their exposome, which is their cumulative environmental exposures, how they regulate essential nutrients. And those measures suggest how a person's physiology responds to their environment which can predict the
0: chances of them having autism if it's
1: probably all that
0: yeah well the thing about that is that what is exciting to me is that over the 10 years that we've been doing this program we've talked about all the steps along the way to get here about how the fact that, you know, first of all, looking at biologically, how are individuals on the spectrum different? Is there a difference? And then it was discovered that, yes, there is a difference. Um, But then but then to get to the place where you can figure out. We've we've said that there are environmental exposures that are different and how your body metabolizes things. Sometimes we see that people we see the backward engineering of it, that people on the spectrum don't handle certain chemicals and can't process them the way other people do but to be at the point where they can look at somebody's hair and say that you're more likely to be on the spectrum because your body is processing these chemicals this way this seems like somebody has connected the dots to me Uh it sounds very exciting to me and when i think about the fact that is it possible that now you could take somebody who's very young, see that they don't metabolize things well and say, then we are going to limit their, their environmental exposure to those things so that we minimize their chances of having autism. Like, like I know that's not what they're saying that they want to do right now. They're saying that they want to diagnose, but is there a way that they can catch it in the moment before? This all sounds very exciting to me. Very exciting. Um, and if you want to know more about it, there's a full article about this in spectrumnews.org. Um, I, but the FDA has approved this. Mm-hmm. I, it's just a, it's a little stunning to me that we. this feels very science fiction where we've always wanted to get. Um, so uh, there is a uh, Stephen Scheinkopf, who is the executive director of the Thompson Center for Autism and Neurodiviralty. Excuse me, neurodevelopmental, di- I can't talk anymore. Disorders at the University of Missouri uh, was not involved in this work, but said before we get too excited about something like this, we need to know more about its sensitivity and specificity, and just how it's performing. So you know, we don't we don't ever want to get too excited, right? Right. Uh, but it I sounds still think- like
1: it's coming to fruition very soon. Though this will be a reality soon.
0: I really like it. And then our our last story um, this week. Uh, is about a new program that I found a little fascinating, that Autism Speaks um, has launched a crowdsourcing competition with a company called HeroX to increase accessibility to employment, networking, and career development for autistic job seekers. So I don't think that everybody realizes, but for a long time, um, autism Autism Speaks, has had a program where they encouraged people to present technology that would help with all different kinds of things with autism and that they have been able to give some pretty big grants to companies who were competing um, in that competition I know several people who have competed for those grants so this is not the first time that they have done something like this um, but I it's the first time I remember them doing a crowdsourcing competition right and you know, are you
1: are you familiar with Hero X, Shannon? I am I'm not. not.
0: I'm not familiar with Hero X, um, but uh, I I love that they're putting some uh, you know oomph behind the idea of let's let's involve people who maybe haven't been involved before to see how can we make job searching and job getting more accessible. When I saw this headline, I thought, oh. Uh, I just missed Joanne, Laura, so completely and fully in that moment. And I was like, Joanne would be all over this. Yes, she would. uh, With both feet and both hands.
1: I was astounded to read that uh, 70,000 to 100,000 teens with autism are transitioning from school to employment each year. I didn't realize the number was that
0: big. Well, you know, let's, let's say that that's a great segue for our guests today because when we start to talk about the transition time, Um, Our next guest is part of an organization that is really looking at this and trying to be um, the proactive um, place for parents to go for a lot of solutions. So why don't we go ahead and bring her in to join us. And of course, everything on my computer has gone completely crazy. But Ashley Lehman is from CIP Worldwide, and we're going to talk with her about what what exactly that is. So, is Ashley there with us? She right here. is. Look Hi. I have, an, I, I have to start with an apology to Ashley because Ashley has joined us in a period of time where a lot was in flux. And so I've completely discombobulated all of our paperwork with her. Um, so, I just have to <laughs> publicly apologize to her and thank her for, for perseverance and for being here today. <laughs> It speaks greatly to what you do, but Ashley, let's start out with just a simple thing of explain to us what CIP stands for and what it is.
2: Sure. So I'm, just first and foremost, I'm so excited to be here. Uh, this is su- such an amazing resource and it's nice to meet you, Shannon and Nancy. But yeah, so CIP is uh, the college internship program. We're located in Indiana, Massachusetts, Florida, California, and it's a transitions program that primarily serves young adults ages 18 to 26, diagnosed with ADHD, ADD, and other learning differences in autism. Um, so it really includes a comprehensive model that supports supports students across multiple environments. So this means we take a collaborative person-centered approach in the centers and in the community while targeting executive functioning challenges, um, self-confidence, self-advocacy, that residential support component, social skills, academics, vocational. We also have a clinician. Um, You all were speaking earlier about the news and the hair strands and early on in my career, reminiscing on, I was like, the person interventionist that was facilitating the assessment by the diagnostician with the families and just knowing what those families had to go through in order to get to that step of a formal diagnosis or potential next step to a a certain therapy is just (laughs) mind-blowing.
1: It is mind-blowing. And Ashley, you have quite a background. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about your background before we hop back into CIP's programs and how your background relates to autism?
2: Sure. Yeah. So aside from my personal experience, my nephew being on the autism spectrum, I studied speech and language pathology in my undergrad. And while I was doing that, I worked in home with families and in the community consulting, utilizing ABA or Applied Behavior Analysis Therapy, as you all know. Um, I went on, received my master's in ABA with an emphasis in autism, became a board certified behavior analyst. Throughout that journey, I spent an immense amount of time with other BCBAs and clinicians to really conclude best practices and support for children and families specifically diagnosed with autism. Throughout that time, I really learned the difference in resources for young neurodiverse adults in comparison to early intervention. So, key as to why I'm here today.
0: (laughs) Okay. Yeah. yeah, and it is vastly different. And you gave us a a, a little bit of an overview of what, what CIP is and does, but let's do the deep dive now. Let's talk about who you serve, where you serve, and let's get into some of the different programs, shall we?
2: Absolutely. So we primarily, like I said, we primarily serve um, young adults diagnosed with autism and ADD, ADHD, and other learning differences. But um, we have a full year program. We have a summer program. We also have a GLC program, which is kind of that program that our young adults transition to after a full year program to lessen the level of intensity and support and ensure that transition to independence is achieved. So um, yeah, and that's a little bit about the different programs.
0: And um, you, but you guys are in lots of different locations. Let's talk about some of the different mm-hmm. locations that you guys are in.
2: Yeah. So we're located in the Berkshires in Massachusetts. We're located in Brevard in Florida. We're in Bloomington, Indiana. Go Hoosiers. Um, we're also in Berkeley, California and Long Beach, California as well.
1: Okay. And you have, do you have relationships with colleges in those areas? Tell us a little bit about that.
2: Absolutely. So that's a really key point um, to the transition, um, especially when the adult, your, your young adult is really trying to navigate through all of those different decisions and the parents as well. So it's really important that you have that close knit partnership with each, with each of the universities. Uh, specifically for Bloomington, we've partnered with IU, which is Indiana University. I actually work really closely with Dr. Kathy Pratt, who, um is also a BCBAD, um, just like Dr. Doreen. And um, so we have a a partnership established with those universities so that our students can ensure that smooth admissions transition process and an overall positive experience.
0: Great. I wanna ask this question and I wanna ask it sensitively because the world is changing so much and um, college is available to more people. And and autism is a spectrum. It maybe isn't the right choice for everyone, Mm -hmm. but is there what kinds of, in terms of functionality, who's Mm -hmm. your ideal student and do you have an ability to help students who perhaps are more impacted and need more support?
2: Oh yeah, that's a really great question and it's a big one. Um, So I'm going to try to break it down just a little bit, but um, the answer to your question is yes. So our specific admissions process is extremely individualized. So that the overall goal is for before a student applies, they have a formal diagnosis. So they're at a place of here's my diagnosis. here's um, the ways that we've supported or support has been implemented in the past. Um, here's where we're at IQ-wise, cognitively. Um, and also there needs to be a level of motivation that takes place, um, which we can talk a little bit more about, but a general consensus of what am I doing here? Why am I here? um, So that that support is reciprocated and and really received. Um, Did I answer that question?
0: Yeah, I think it makes total sense because this is, it can't just be that the parents want the student to be in this program. It has to be something that they want. Right, um, and that if they do, that you've got more ability to be able to support them individually, is what I right. heard. Is that about it?
2: Yeah,
1: absolutely, it right?
2: Yeah, okay. yeah, you got right. it right. Oh. Yes, okay. um, definitely an individualized program. A lot of our students come into our program and they're um, either rejecting the different diagnoses that they have, or they just simply don't understand the implications of that diagnosis and how it really impacts their life fully, and that's really kind of an area that we specialize in.
0: Okay, but this is a very unique program though and you uniquely serve them um, and support them with what they're doing in order to become more independent. Tell us what it is that you, what's the secret sauce? What is it that's- <laughs> so, so okay. unique? You-
2: I think the first, you know, just initial response to the secret sauce is collaborate collaboration collaboration and individualization. So CIP really encompasses person-first individualized programming and also an active learning methodology. So our students play a vital role in their success. And whenever we're able to gauge that intrinsic motivation, we help shift that accountability from the family member to CIP and then from CIP eventually to that student. And along that journey, it is really a active collaboration between the student, the family, CIP, as well as the community, including the university or vocational setting, or
1: both.
0: Okay. Well,
1: what are some of the, um, what are some of the things that parents should look for when choosing a transition program for their son or daughter, Ashley?
2: That's a really great question. Um, you really want to pay attention to the team member responding strategies. So, for example, in the moment um, when students, your student begins to self-isolate or withdraw or forget to submit an assignment or has a roommate conflict, you really want to understand how that program is going to respond to those different challenges. Um, and you also really want to assist your student in getting to a place of a greater self-awareness or, as we like to refer to often is self-acceptance, so that when students enter into a transition program, they're more accepting um, and really excited and eager for the world of opportunities ahead.
0: Okay, I I love this, but of course there are challenges that, Mm -hmm. that come along. Why don't we talk about, for people who might be thinking of starting this, what are some of the challenges that they and their student might encounter as they start the program?
2: So some really common challenges that families and students um, experience is really that letting go, that transition of my parent or parents or family members have really taken that role of facilitator, interventionist, scheduler for many, many years. And now I'm gonna be transitioning that to an organization that really helps me do that independently and gradually um, removes that parent from those all those different roles and allows the parent to experience that more nurturer role again. So um, that's a that's a common one.
1: Okay. Um, tell us about some of the reasons that parents seek out transition programs such as this. So. Families
2: come to CIP specifically with just a genuine hope for their child to find happiness and ultimately live independently. So that looks a lot of different ways for a lot of diff- different people, and it's really our jobs to help the student and the family figure out what that means for them. Okay.
1: Can you tell us, do you have any success stories that you know of right off the top of your head? I don't want to put you on the spot. but
2: Oh, so many success stories. Um, the, the one that immediately comes to my mind is we have a student from Chicago area, first year student that's come in and he expresses that he really struggles in a social setting. And um, within the first two months of him being at CIP in Bloomington, um, we have a student mentor program where we, we partner with students at IU and they come to CIP and they, they're they with our students in all different settings. And um, he really partnered with his student mentor in a lot of different ways and has a pretty active social life as well as has already obtained part-time paid employment within his first semester of being at CIP. Um, and he, um, and it's actually an organization that he has studied for quite a bit of time and has always wanted to work there. Um, he's more of like a logistics guy and uh, he um, he was able to, to do that. And it's been, I could go on and on.
0: <laughs> well, let's let's pause for a second because I'm sure that there are parents watching who are like, I need more information. I, who do I talk to? Where do I go? Because it sounds like it's so specific that you really need to have a consultation to see if, if it's right for you, if it's a good fit for your family, if it's a good fit for your student. So where do they mm-hmm. need to go um, so that they can get that information, Ashley?
2: Yeah, um, I highly encourage you to visit our website. So, we will give you all of that information and uh, direct contact links so that we can we can talk to them.
0: Wonderful,
1: Ashley. Uh, you, can you? I'm sorry, Shannon. To interrupt. Go ahead. Um, tell us some of the things that students do after completing the program. What? Are so, some of the yeah,
2: that's um. Uh, most oftentimes, our students are in an apartment or by themselves or with other CIP students who have graduated um, or with people that they have met at the university. Um, So they're often working full-time and um, living independently and are also in maybe some aspects receiving financial support from family members with a plan to gradually fade out as well. Um, Yeah.
0: I I gotta say, there are a lot of people out there who, uh, myself included, um, that, you know, they, we want the college experience for our kids, but there are many parts to a college experience. Part of it is transitioning into the adulthood. I'm mm-hmm. wrapped in my wires, excuse me. Uh, you know, part of it is the social situation, Part, part of it is the academic situation, moving towards whatever degree or diploma or whatever experience that you're having at college. There's a lot. And mm-hmm. I have to say that we were talking before about how when Nancy and I started this show, it was, this was all uncharted territory. And But for years, I've been asking guests about, did your child go to college? How did they do mm-hmm. in college? And mm-hmm. it's been a mixed bag. That, you know, there are some people who say, nope, we didn't do the college experience. Some who said we did the college experience, some who had great success at college. But a lot of parents tell the story about sending their kids off to college, paying a whole lot of money Mm -hmm. and having it not work out and having Mm -hmm. it be a negative experience for Mm -hmm. their student and feeling like we wasted time, we wasted Mm -hmm. money, we wasted energy, and Mm -hmm. they left feeling... Uh, you know, like their self-esteem was decimated because they weren't able to make it work. Mm -hmm. So part of why I wanted to have you on is to show families that there's another option that it, you know, that you can work with someone like you, Ashley, to put in place, and it's not you anymore, because I think you're going to find if you go to talk to you know i certainly find this my son is in college i can't call the professor up and go well, wait a second you didn't make it clear mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not that doesn't work in college right mm-hmm. and that my child either has to be able to advocate for themselves in the way that that college professor needs to be advocated to which is different than the next college professor or you gotta have some sort of a a, a go-between. And there are different ways that you can do it, but what I love about yours is that the emphasis is on on making sure that they are ready to be independent. And a part of that is employment. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that that's a very important piece, Ashley, that a lot of people miss. How many people do we know, Nancy, that are wonderfully talented individuals on the autism spectrum, who finished college and can't get a job. A lot of them There are
1: a lot, a lot of young adults in that situation.
0: And the parents are wringing their hands going, look, we thought this was like, you know, we didn't know that we were going to get to college. We didn't know we were going to get the diploma, but now you're telling me I got another hoop. I got to jump through that Mm -hmm. they're in no way prepared for independence and employment. It's, um, it's a rough thing. So um, we love having you on, Ashley, to talk about these things and have, have someone as wonderfully um, educated and prepared as you are in the autism community to talk about it. So tell us again where families can reach out to find you guys if they have more questions.
2: Yeah, you can find us at cipworldwide.org.
0: Wonderful. Ashley, mm-hmm. thank you so much for taking the time for, to be with us. And thank you again for being patient with my inefficiency.
2: I'm this technology and me don't necessarily go hand in hand. So it's okay. I, I can't thank you enough for allowing me this time. And I'm honored to be here.
0: Can thank I you, tell Ashley. you what we need? Can I tell you what we need at the Autism Network? We need an intern. Can you yeah. guys help us to find an intern? Thank you. plugs
2: Dan McMahonman. Yes. Um, we, we need an intern.
0: <laughs> So uh, uh, please uh, follow up with me because I don't course. know if Long Beach is too far away. We're located in-, in Woodland Hills, okay, California. But I, we need interns. We would love interns. Are you please. looking for student
2: interns, or uh, are you looking whatever we we
0: we'll, we're, we're looking at all different types of ways that gotcha. we can have interns that are part of college programs, not part of college programs that are, you know, so we're looking across the board and we are excited about having interns at Autism Network. So let me know what you can help me with. Yes, I
1: will certainly follow up with you.
0: Okay. Thank you,
1: Ashley. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for sharing about CIP. It's a remarkable program and uh, best of luck to you. Thank you very
0: much. Thank you. Bye-bye. What a remarkable young woman. Yes. Uh, and um, what a remarkable program. I think that this is a great fit for the right students in the right families. Um, and um, I hope that more people will be able to find that. Uh, And now normally at this time, Nancy, on our new format, we normally would have somebody on here to talk about their autism family portrait. Right. Uh, We we were able to have Vena Tiero on last week. She's hard to follow. Nobody wanted to follow Vena. She Uh, is very hard to follow. What a dynamo Vena is. She is. But I can tell you that we've got some amazing, amazing family members lined up for the coming weeks. Like for instance, Marcia Easley is going to be with us next week for an autism family portrait which Oh I really great. Love I love
1: Marsha. She's another she's a very good friend of Vena. Yes. Uh, she's out of Detroit and she's another dynamo. Not only does she have her own nonprofit, she just wrote a book called Why Can't I Be a Cougar?
0: Uh, Um, I love, we've actually had her on the show to talk about that book, but you know, we did that whole interview and I didn't know that she was a mom of an individual on the spectrum. Yes. And he,
1: and he is independently living now. So she can talk about that, uh, how her son has gained independence, which has been, I know, an amazing journey for her. And then she can also talk about her
0: nonprofit. So she's another dynamo that nobody's going to want to follow. I'm afraid. And let me just tell you, but we already, I, what I, went, I did was I went ahead and booked the next couple of weeks. So the week after that, Julie Wadine will be here with us. And then in the weeks after that, Becky Estep is going to be, I don't know which week she's here. And um, Laura Mariquin is going to be joining us as well. So that'll be super fun. Fantastic. And then Marcy, uh, we're going to wait until we're back. We're we're hoping, fingers crossed, that we are going to be back in studio in the month of well, the end of March. Uh, right. We'll be in the studio, the beginning of March, we hope, but actually doing live shows uh, sometime in March. And we want to wait. We wanted to wait to have Marcy with us in person. So she's yeah, gonna be she's got
1: us. Marcy has a remarkable story. She's got two sets of twins, all are on the spectrum.
0: Amazing. So um,
1: she's got quite. <laughs> she, she can just, share her journey,
0: which has been an interesting one. Just so you know, what this is what's so amazing is that when I said to her, you know, Nancy and I would really like to have you on and and feature you, and she was like, me? And, and, and she made some sort of a comment. I'm paraphrasing here, but like, oh, you know, do I have something to add to the conversation? And I responded back, and I was like, girl, if you don't have a story, then none of us has a story. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, are you kidding me? Of course you have a story to tell. Uh, so we'll be excited to have her on here. I want to do a whole separate show about her hair because uh, her hair is just so stunning right now. Uh, I, I know. She
1: shirt. she is one of those in the in the footsteps of Andy McDowell. Actually, I think she went first. Marcy went first. She let her hair go naturally gray and naturally curly. She used to color it and straighten it.
0: And I got to say, she looks amazing. Oh, my. She needs to start modeling. Her hair is so... Stunning, And every time I see it, and, and you know, when it was short, it was beautiful, but, uh, you know, now it is this, these long curly, I, my hair won't do that gray. Um, I'm not able to do that gray. Uh, I, I couldn't, I couldn't handle it, but hers looks like silk. It is just to die for, uh, absolutely amazing. So we'll, we'll do a whole little segment on her hair, I think. Uh, <laughs> But, and I do want to say that I've gotten at least a verbal commitment uh, from Moira Giamatteo that as we get close to the Oscars, which is happening in April, I think towards the end of March, she has agreed to come on and do an entire show with me, Nancy, about um, the Oscars. Because, you know, oh, Beth, how fun! She is a mom who is amazing. Uh, she's been on the show before, but Moira. I don't know. In the the first, I first met Moira when our son was really little, and somebody said, "Oh, she's." I had a question about something, and they said, "Oh, ask Moira Giamateo. She was a, she was one of the mentors in uh, that Taka had, where right. um, where you could ask questions about biomedical stuff, and then I think she went on to be the person who trained all the mentors for Taka. Very knowledgeable. But then I got invited, my husband and I got invited to, um, uh, I, I'm sure you were invited to it too, Nancy. I don't know if you and Reed went. The regional center was doing a conference where for parents and they had a couple that was going to come in and talk about autism and your marriage. Okay. And how, and how to run autism for your marriage. And that was Moira and her husband. Wow. And Moira was the one who coined the phrase about pick a project manager. One of you has to be the project manager for autism and the other person has to go and make sure that you have a roof over your head. Right. Um, and, and that was the first time that I'd heard it put like that, but it really uh-huh. helped define roles for us. They had all these other amazing yeah. tips. It's probably the, the reason why my, pa- my, uh, why my marriage is still in existence because um, Moira and her husband helped. And then on the side, I found out that she is just a huge movie buff that she watches all of the movies and she has this legendary among among her friends Oscar party every year where every course symbolizes one of the movies that has um, been nominated for Best Picture. So, and and then she'll post for the whole month of the Oscars about, you know, the whole process of, of figuring out um, what, what the dish is because sometimes it's very evident what the dish should be and then other times it's a process that she figures out but she serves this at her big oscar party and as you know nancy i think um i've been for the last couple of years i out of boredom in covid uh it was just easier to watch the movies because we were able to see them at home and so i started just reviewing them for fun and now it's like turned into this thing where I must review movies. And as I was reviewing them, we saw that Moira and I almost always disagree wholeheartedly. Oh, really? Okay. And she wrote to me and she said, I, I think we might be the Siskel and Ebert of, of autism moms. And um so I said, Well then we have to do a show. So she Well that's gonna, gonna make yeah,
1: that's gonna make the show all the more interesting if you've disagreed about your critiques oh, of the film. We- I have really enjoyed your movie critiques, Shannon. They are hilarious. Uh, first of all, uh you are so witty and I swear you have another
0: career should you ever uh, leave the field of autism. In my dreams. I said I, my evil plot is to retire as a movie critic, because I have to be honest with you, I took some time off over, you know, the holidays, and we couldn't, you know, we weren't going anywhere. And so I just made it my goal that I was going to watch two movies a day. Talk a about day. decadence, two movies a day. And to me, that is just heaven and decadence and a vacation. Like okay. I know you talk about going to a beach somewhere exotic. Um, And, you know, sitting by a waterfall, that is not a vacation to me. That is like, I mean, if I had to, to go there to interview somebody, I'm not saying that I'm, you know, uninterested in paradise, but that is not a vacation to me. Getting to watch two movies a day. That's a vacation. And um, and we watched a lot of them as a family. And certainly my husband and I watched a lot of them together. Now I'm sort of into the documentaries and they're picky and choosy about which ones they'll watch with me. But I watched a very interesting documentary last night, Nancy, uh, Misha and the Wolves. Uh-huh. Have you heard about this? I haven't heard about it. Oh, yeah. Um, I can't say a lot because if I say anything, it's a spoiler alert. Um, But it's a very sneaky film. You're going to watch the first 10 minutes and go, I don't, what is, like, this is a crazy story. And then the thing turns. And just when you think you've got a grip on it, it turns again. And it just keeps on turning. What network is that on, Shannon? So you can watch it on Netflix right now. And I will tell you the base of the story is a woman who... Uh, a Belgian woman who claims to have been one of the the lost Jewish children of World War II, that she um, says that her parents were taken away to a concentration camp and that she was given to a, a Catholic family. And this did happen um, to some children in Brussels where Catholic families would risk their lives Take the child in, say that the child was theirs, change their name, and raise them as if they were theirs. And if they had been discovered by the Nazis, the children would have been killed as the Catholic families would have been. And so this woman tells the story, the harrowing story about how she was adopted, and that she decided that that was not going to work for her. And at the age of seven, ran away, and lived in the forest with wolves wow now, now if your interest is not peaked let me just tell you that ain't the whole story so my
1: you know, interest
0: is peaked just based on that i can't imagine more well you know get yourself through the first 15 minutes and watch it tumble and then hang on uh because it's craziness just great misha and the wolves so, uh, the one, the other documentary I'm really looking forward to watching right now is this, uh, the summer of soul. Um, and I think that that's available on Hulu and I have not seen it yet. So, but it's all about, I think what I've heard is about the music industry. Now you have to tell me, Nancy, cause we have two minutes left. What have you seen and what have you liked of everything that's been out there? Have you seen any movies?
1: Yes. I have seen the lost daughter, which I was not a fan of uh uh-huh. Um, I love Olivia Coleman and her acting was superb as always, but did not find the movie I was bored during the film. I yeah. um could it didn't sustain my attention. I had to watch it in in segments. Um, so I I disagreed with you on that one. Um The Unforgiven with Sandra Bullock, I liked very much. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was a really good film um and uh the power of the dog i saw and actually i was i liked it i liked it i had some issues with parts of it but i overall it uh i liked it so you and i disagreed on that one
0: well and those were the two big ones that moira and i disagreed on because i loved the lost daughter and i hated the power of the dog um and i will go moira as as well. But I love The Lost Eyes. I, I, I understand that some people were bored, but I thought that Maggie Gyllenhaal did a great job directing it. And I thought that it, it, I thought it was a difficult movie to watch. It was very upsetting to watch, but I thought it was a movie that for the first time, I can't think of another movie that has shed light on how difficult it is to be a mother. Mm-hmm. And, and the responsibility of it, and the weight of it, and the judgment from people when you don't just only find joy in it.
1: That's true. And I do, I second your opinion on that, your insight on that. It did do all of those things. It did shed light on all of that. And for that, it's to be commended. And, you know, let's hope we can have a, a film, actually, Vain at first documentary, uh, sheds light on what it's like to be the mother of of, auti- of an autistic child, not only one, but two. She's yeah. pretty much warts and all. If anybody can catch yeah. the documentary, My Fierro Boys, boy, does she show it all warts and all.
0: There you go. And I will say this, that um, I don't know if you caught um, our friend Holly Robinson, Pete's Hallmark movie, the Christmas movie that came out, Our Journey, um, our Christmas, I think it was Our Christmas Journey was the name of it. I felt that um, Holly did a really good job, because uh, she was one of the producers as, uh, as well, of showing the difficulty of a mom in the transition process of, of taking a child who is non-vocal and allowing them to go be in an assisted living situation and, and all the fears and angst and difficulties of that. I, I thought that Holly did a, a really good job. Of- you know,
1: I I did not see that movie and I need to catch it because that um, is something that definitely resonates with me.
0: Yeah, and I, I thought she was really on point with that. It was very emotional for me to watch. And there there is a moment where everybody around her is saying, you know, you need to do this and you need to do this for him. And she breaks down and she says, you have no idea what I have had to do to get this point and to just trust other people to be there for him. Now, I've been the person. You have no idea what it has taken, because they say he's made so much progress and she acknowledges that. But I, in that moment, every time I think about it, I well up about, you know, no one knows. No one knows what what it takes for us to get there. And I thought, I just thought, good on you, Holly, that, um, that, you know, she, I, I, I think she had some say into things that went into the script and I really commend her for that. I do want to say, for those of you who are watching The Power of the Dog, which I was so bored, I wanted to throw things. um, Because every time they showed like a fly walking on the Mm -hmm. back of a horse, I was like, really, again, I just like, I was so bored bananas in the power of the dog, but, but, and we may have already talked about this. I was offended because I believe I'm, you know, nobody else is saying this, but I believe that there is a character. I don't want to give too much away, but I believe that there is a character that for those of us who, who know about autism is on the spectrum. And, and I have a real issue with how that all shakes down. And um, but everyone else is even Moira. I was like, that did not offend you, and she was like, oh, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't think that. But did you think that when you saw that, Nancy? I didn't
1: when I saw it, but after you mentioned it, I sort of looked at it with new eyes, with a new set of lenses, and now I can see what you're talking
0: about. I'm offended. I'm offended. You know, tell the story and tell whatever, but I don't like, I don't like how that shook down. That that doesn't make me happy and i can't be anything other than what i am it's a beautiful film in terms of it shot beautifully and uh-huh. it's edited be- beautifully but i don't i'm i'm not uh, i'm not down with how the story was told at all okay and i was and i was bored even if there hadn't been that element that offended me i was bored um, you know uh, Fair a enough lot in that movie anyway th- but this is why we you know we have discussions cuz everybody's entitled to their opinion but i think one of the uh, you know, there there have been several things that I saw that I really loved. And I was, I've been surprised about the two things that I have loved the most have been Dune. Didn't think that I would love Dune. Has Wyatt seen Dune? No, we'll have to watch it. The one thing I've been told and people have asked me since I did the review is they said, do you watch with closed captioning? And I said, yes. When I'm at home, I watch with closed captioning. And I encourage everyone who has children on the spectrum to watch movies and television with closed captioning on because it does help promote language development. And it helps them if they are readers, it helps them to be able to see what's being said and understand what what they're hearing. Um, And when there are accents, it gives them more access as it does for me. Um, but if they aren't readers, it actually will help them to, you know, over time, it's slow, but it will help them to be able to read. And with Dune, I watched it with the closed captionings, understood everything that got said and followed the plot beautifully. But people have been telling me that when they're in the theater and not having closed caption, that because of the accents that, and because of all the strange words, if you're not a Dune fan, that they didn't find it accessible. So I'm encouraging people watch it at home and watch it with the closed captioning on.
1: I um. I watch things with closed captioning because I think my hearing's going. I swear to you, I'm always like, what did they say? What did they say?
0: Yeah, well, that's me. And for years, you know, I have a lot of people in my family that have hearing uh, issues. And my mother used to come and visit and she would turn on the closed captioning on our TV and I would hate it. And I couldn't wait till she would leave so I could turn it off. I would say it changes the experience. And then, you know, my husband needed to get um, hearing aids and we found that he was enjoying it more if he could hear. And now I think my hearing has gone too. And I can't do without it. I think I'm going to be one of those people when I eventually go back to the movie theaters that will get the the closed captioning. They have like goggles you can put on that give you closed captioning while you're watching. And and I have a family member who does that. And I think I probably, I enjoy the movie more Mm -hmm. because I know exactly what's going on. I enjoy series more that way. Well, there you go. What are you watching series-wise?
1: I was late on the Breaking Bad bandwagon, so I just finished the entire series, and wow.
0: Okay, but then have you watched Better Call Saul yet? I'm getting ready to watch Better Call Saul. Okay. I was so late on the Breaking Bad thing, Nancy. I didn't watch it at all when it was out. We were in our heavy-duty autism years when it was out, and when people told me what the premise was, I was like, I don't have time for that. I I don't, I don't want to hear about a school teacher who decides to become a drug dealer, like who on earth think that's, thinks that's a good idea for a series. They should be taken out behind the barn and, and, you know, given a spanking. Um, So I just didn't want to do it, but I watched it in COVID the entirety. And then we started Better Call Saul. Better Call Saul is better, Nancy. Oh, great. I can't wait to see it. It's so good. Better Call Saul uh, is so amazing and of course you know they're finishing filming up their last season for that and did so. you know the
1: actor the lead in better call saw was a writer on snl
0: uh which in which one the lead actor he was a writer on snl i did not yes know that. before he became an actor yeah well um you know he just did that movie nobody that came out um last spring and that's a really interesting film as well too and of course we were very worried because then he had a heart attack on the young guy uh younger than you and i and had a heart attack on the set of better call Saul. but we understand he's doing okay now so okay no that's next for me so i can't wait did you watch ozark i did i can't wait for the new season i think that's tomorrow Great! I think the new season launches tomorrow, so we'll we'll all be inside. People, have, I've been talking to people all over the country who are complaining because they're snowed in, and I'm like, you, <laughs> like we might as well be snowed in uh, between. You know, for those of us who are distancing, uh, and then you get to watch more movies. I'm all That's about. That's right. It. It's all good for me. Uh, what is Wyatt like to watch on TV? What is he into? Wyatt watches.
1: Um... A lot of movies with John, his aide, they watch a lot of uh, Marvel-type movies, superhero movies. Oh, he'll love Dune, then. Action-adventure movies, they, they watch all of those, things that I'm not interested in. They also watch football and hockey.
0: There you go. Well, I'll bet he'll like Dune. I, I didn't watch the original Dune, and so I was just, I kept saying to Jem, I was like, I am loving this. And he was like, I know, right? We were told that it wasn't that good, and it was. But the other big one that I loved, but you know, Moira didn't like it at all. I loved Tick, Tick, Boom. Yeah, I gotta Uh,
1: watch that. I know you loved it. I can't wait to see it.
0: If you love musical theater. Yeah. Oh, 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 it was just so good. And Andrew Garfield, I just had no idea he had that in him. Right. Um, But we watched something else with Andrew Garfield in it the other day. Oh, The Eyes of Tammy Faye. Mm. not my favorite uh and and you know he played jim baker i don't think anybody could have played jim baker in a way that i would have liked jim baker right or, uh after everything is said and done but um but andrew garfield gave it a good try i i guess i just really hadn't seen because i didn't see the spider-man movies with andrew garfield so i didn't either um i missed all of those uh the last ones i saw were the uh what's his name toby Maguire. right me too <laughs> uh so anyway Uh, well, I, I, I wish everybody good watching. Please write in and tell us what you're watching, what you particularly love. Uh, I'm excited because I think we're going to get to see West side story this weekend, so that'll be uh, great. Yes. Can't wait to write a review about that. I expect that to be best picture. Do you have something that you expect to be best picture? No, I
1: don't have any expectations, but I was going to ask you what you think your pick for best picture would be.
0: Well, I mean, I don't know. I haven't seen, like, three or four of the movies. Like, I haven't seen Licorice Pizza, which we we think will be in the running. I haven't seen West Side Story. I really want to see Come On, Come On. I've heard amazing things about Come On, Come On. I haven't seen that yet. And there's at least one more. I finally got around to watching the tragedy of Macbeth the other day, and it was a tragedy. I saw your review on that. Whisper, whisper. (laughs) I don't want to give it away, but... It's beautiful. Oh my gosh. I think it's the most beautiful lighting I've seen in a film since Citizen King. Uh, I mean, it's just that epically beautiful. They better win some tech awards. It's stunning. The Shakespeare, um, you know, I mean, if you're not a Shakespeare fan, uh, I don't know. I am. If you are a Shakespeare fan, it's disappointing. I'm a huge
1: Shakespeare fan. So I'm interested to see how I'll react
0: to that. Yeah.
1: Um but, and I'm a huge Denzel and Francis McDormand fan.
0: Oh my gosh, I said there's just no way that uh that that Francis McDormand can she doesn't even know how to deliver a bad performance. Well apparently she does if it's <laughs> Shakespeare. Um and you know, I mean is it is it like bad like you can't even be in the room? No, but I've seen a lot of actresses play that role. It doesn't it doesn't come anywhere on the It's really a weird performance. Did you
1: ever see Roman Polanski's Macbeth? I don't know. I don't know if I have. Oh, that's not to be missed. If you haven't, get it. Okay, I will definitely,
0: I I, don't recall it. Extremely violent well this gets violent and and i think it's a respectable version of it i do think that you know they'll show it in junior highs for the next i don't know how many years at least a decade and that those students will gain access to the story and i think it's very i think the way they build it they said it's the tragedy of macbeth not macbeth and and they said it's based on shakespeare and and so i don't i don't think that they were going for it to be all that shakespearean um, cause otherwise why, you know, but, and yet they took a lot of the famous speeches word for word from Shakespeare. So that was a little discombobulating for me. I almost would have rather that they had not, if you're not going to do Shakespeare and you're not going to look at, I mean, Shakespeare wrote an iambic pentameter. And if you're not going to know what that is or how to treat it, then you shouldn't do it. Um, you know, It's, it would be like taking Sondheim and deciding to do it with a flute through your notes. Right. Um, You know, it's just, it's like, it's meant to be sung. Iambic pentameter is meant to be sung. You got to have an understanding of how to do it. And it, and in any case, it's oddly enough, it's, it, you know, (laughs) there was a part of Rent when Rent was on Broadway that, that I would just go so crazy, these people who were, you know, talking about. About life and death things, but they were walkwards on stage, and I and I always would say, "Who walks backwards?" How much in your life, when Nancy, when something was important to you, like thinking about the life and death moments of your life, were you walking backwards? No. Yeah. Um, and so I I hated that part of Rent. Loved the music, but didn't love the direction of having people walk backwards, and they did <laughs> the entire show of Rent and it's the same thing with macbeth if you're if you're having like in the big moments of your life when you're making the big decisions and something big is happening you're not whispering right even that's in true. a hospital you're not whispering and that's the whole, true the entire movie whisper, 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 um they were directly next to a hospital where they had to keep things quiet i don't know strange choice um but anyway i've talked way too much about films Uh, we're going to have Moira on and talk about more of it, but Nancy, we're back next week and next week, we're going to have Marsha Easley joining with us. And we have another guest, but I don't know who it is at this moment. So We'll be back then less time for talking about movies, but, um, tomorrow on the show, for those of you who are keeping track, it is our Friday best of show where you'll see a show from the past, um, from either ask Dr. Doreen autism live or, Uh, Let's Talk Autism with Shannon and Nancy. And then we are back on Monday with our live show. So until then, give your kiddos a hug from me. And give yourselves a hug
1: from me. Thanks for joining us. Bye-bye for now. Bye.